0: Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for twenty percent off your first
1: purchase. And the analyst watching it back. As that was sitting up in the volley, there's only one place I'm expecting that to end up. Yeah, me too, mate. <laughs> the fucking north stand smashed into the top corner of the fucking stadium. What are you talking about? How many times have we seen Ing smash that into the net? Not often. <laughs> This is Paul McGrath, you're listening to the Villa Podcast. That morning sky gave me a look So I left while you were sleeping That's all it took And that
2: wasn't really a great performance, was it? I mean, probably uninspiring, really, when you take a club who have played 153 less Premier League games in Gareth Barry. they've come to Villa Park (laughs) they've come to Villa Park and they probably got the better of us really Villa they didn't offer much they were much better in the second half waited and waited and waited to make any changes actually then there is a beauty I don't know if I want to get straight into the goal but there's a beauty of being able to score a goal out of nowhere really when you've been playing that badly yeah we'll, we'll get back into the goal in a second but what did you think overall Liam
1: like I know it's a tough old slog. The season is, for all intents and purposes, over. Like There's nothing to play for. They're physically and mentally exhausted. But, Conan, do you think I want to do a second podcast in less than a fortnight about fucking Burnley? No, I don't. But I'll show up on Thursday night like a fucking pro. Like I've just come off a three-day wedding. Do you think I want to be doing this podcast? No, I don't. But I still turn up like the fucking professional that I am. And I'm I'm gonna have to look back over the photos from the wedding because half the Aston Villa team must have been at it as well. <laughs> There's plenty of room in the dance floor, so I'm sure pretty sure John McGinn's arse wasn't there. I I could hear the speeches pretty clearly, so there was no heckling. So obviously Martinez wasn't there either. There was a moment in the first night when someone turned around and knocked the tray out of the waiter's hand and They didn't start blaming Mings, Cash, or Dina, so it mustn't have been Kanza. It was an open question about whether or not the rest of them were at the fucking wedding because they were so lethargic, so so sloppy in the first half. I mean, we managed to pull off a bizarre combination of taking too many easy, safe options, or refusing to play the ball around the corner, and mixing that up with just trying to end the move in one pass. It's like a, a lot of attempted Hollywood balls that ended up looking like a fucking Ed Wood pass. <laughs> waiting for all our people to make the tackle or the block how many times did they, did they defer to their own teammates waiting for someone else to come in and get the ball every attempt to dribble by a villa player was read like a fucking doctor's AS book like how many times did the palace player just poke the ball away around the other side as a villa player failed to dribble you want that to be positive i'm pretty positive they're all useless cunts <laughs>
2: I've got, I've got one. I've got, I've got one for the wedding. Did anybody fail to find their seat because Danny Ings must have been there? <laughs> yeah, the, the only person I, I'm confident that I can say wasn't there was, was John McGinn. You said his arch wasn't there? John McGinn was probably the the real bright spark of this performance. He definitely wasn't on a three day bed. A three day, three days is pushing it a bit, isn't
1: it? Yeah, I return the fucking festivals, Colin. At this rate, haven't
2: I? <laughs> three days is pushing it. Like I always think, day two is a bit presumptuous, but three days like that—that's definitely a that that that's definitely a, a big ask of people but anyway yeah it, t- it took Villa a long time to get going yeah like Palace were just sitting very comfortably they knew what they expect we I don't know how many times we have to say this teams watch DVDs of other teams it's <laughs> not, it's not even DVDs anymore we're well past that now since we've been saying it and uh like they just set up in a 5-3-2 formation really and yeah they had three centre-backs they had three centre midfielders, just blocking that central channel, and Villa want to come down all the time, and yeah, they had just Milivojevic just tracking Coutinho, so Coutinho went deeper and deeper, and then they were able to just deploy Ezi and Gallagher whenever they wanted, and attack, they had the outlets at wing-back whenever they want. they were just set up better, they, they knew what to expect from Villa, and Villa didn't change anything until they actually scored, <laughs> and then they started playing better, but the first goal, yeah, I talked about not playing well, and yeah, ironically, it didn't come from down the centre. Well, not ironically at all, actually. Obviously, <laughs> it didn't come down the centre. It came from out wide, where Looka was standing over a ball.
1: What a lovely cross! Just what? Like,
2: have you ever? Like, it looks, it looks so simple. But have you ever? Like, let's all be honest. Have you ever just whipped the ball so perfectly in all your life <laughs> with, with that flight? Just, just around everybody. It looks so simple. It's a classic cross, but it goes right around the back post, and it's so good that. And it's not even Mark Gay's fault, really, but Ollie Watkins has made him look like a bit of a mug. He's fallen over. He doesn't know where to go. He doesn't know where to look at this perfect flight of a ball or look at Ollie Watkins, who's put his leg in between both of the defenders' legs and put it in the back of the net brilliantly and runs away to say, I'm here to stay. He tells the crowd that he ain't going anywhere. West Ham can, <laughs> West Ham can bat their eyelids all they want. They can fuck off as far as Ollie Watkins is concerned
1: um yeah. Yeah, great goal out of nowhere really yeah like sometimes it's enough to have the sweetest left foot in the country whipping balls into the box for the best battler in the country <laughs> doesn't matter how shit you be or how much weddings your players go to all week if you're just going to be whipping balls and like that it's really bizarre defending from klein and galler for both of them to just watch look at dean have a look around and whip one into Watkins. get on his cross you absolute morons or he'll put it exactly where he wants Strange stuff. Imagine that was Villa. Imagine that was look uh, Luca Dini just watching uh, uh somebody of his quality whooping in the ball, we'd yeah. be murdered in this podcast. It was unforgivable.
2: Yeah, yeah. We definitely would have assumed they were at that wedding with you. Like <laughs> we had twelve minutes I suppose to enjoy it, and it was a good twelve minutes, really. Villa had their best spell after that, which is heartening in some level, but then they did concede twelve minutes later. Uh Schlupp came on and got the goal. <laughs> I don't know, is it's a free kick from the left. It goes the whole way out to the right wing. Dougie's maybe a bit slow to get out. and Block it. I don't know if we can
1: really blame him. Oh, Dougie moves out pretty quickly.
2: Yeah, like that's, I'm trying. am looking for someone. Like I, 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 I don't know if we can really point a finger at anybody in really this goals because it's a good cross in then, and it, it it it's one of those ones where the players running back and he flicks it on. So it's like it's in a crowded area. Palace are big fuckers as well, and um, maybe Cash and Buendia Allow slip, to run onto it, but again, the the angle has changed now because the first cross has gone to the right wing and now he's crossed into somebody who's running back out, flicks it back in, and it's a goal. I don't know. I don't know. Am I being too kind to say sometimes you concede? Like, I, I want to be angry because it wasn't a good performance, but I don't know if I can be that angry at that goal.
1: Yeah, like it's it's a pretty good knockdown, but it's it's not particularly difficult to go up and win a header against a few statues, and slip reacts quicker than those statues as well. Like, big surprise. <laughs> But Dia shouldn't lose him so easily. And to be fair to Matty Cash, he can't tuck in to help him because he's got his hands full marking space. Like he's got his hands full making <laughs> sure space doesn't steal in to slot one at the back post. Like, <laughs> fucking come in and help your mate. There's no one near you. And we should we should be set up. We shouldn't be set up so deep for the free. And we should probably push out a bit after the first cross. We should definitely jump out when the ball is being knotted down. But we don't jump out. That's not the Aston Villa way, Conor. You know, whenever Matty Cash is working for Sky Sports in 15 years and everyone is tricked into thinking he knows what he's talking about because he was an international right back and he made a good impression early on in his punditry days because he was fresh out of the game. He could explain how things work and that memory will stick in people's heads even after he's been on TV every week talking absolute shit and making outrageous claims that he can't back up even when he's so plainly compromised and discussing his former club and his former super sub-teammate, Emmy Buendia, who's doing a dreadful job of managing Villa. Matty Cash will be on Sky Sports saying Aston Villa can't hire Jurgen Klopp. And not because he's retired, but because he plays a high line, because he's happy to try to catch the opposition offside. And that's just not the Aston Villa way. It's not in the DNA of the club. That's not how we did it under Smith. <laughs> <laughs>
2: you've come off a three day bender and I think you've produced your greatest analogy yet. <laughs> well done. You are not on the beach. You have brought it. That uh... Don't you?
1: I turn up every fucking night, Conan. <laughs>
2: Unfortunately, though the analogy has angered me because I am just now remembering, rather than thinking about the Aston Villa performance and remembering Gary Neville talking about Antonio Conte and talking about all the other social and all these things that I remember and I shouldn't be remembered down through the years. But you've also <laughs> you painted just such a grim picture of punditry as well
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and what it actually is. Uh, anything else anything else good from the game that you liked or that you didn't like
1: <laughs> there was very little about the game and because i was just back from the wedding i I nearly fell asleep during the first half it was so dull and so boring i couldn't believe that this is what we were putting up i couldn't believe that i didn't stick around for the hangover pints in the morning <laughs> and rush back to watch this utter nonsense
2: yeah Yeah, it was pretty shit. That's why we're going to go to WhatsApp Winges (laughs) All right, WhatsApp Winges. No week's wages for Tyrone Mings this week. (laughs) (laughs) He's getting paid. He was very good and he's getting paid. Uh, He did take what I would call a good yellow card in the first half when he just tripped somebody when he was out of position. But he was out of position. What the fuck (laughs) is our left centre-back doing at Right centre midfield. With Ezri Konsa standing behind him, his centre back partner. And they yeah. has to make he has like he has to make that, like right enough. He's in that position. He has to trip him. Yeah, he's right to do it. But what was he doing there? How does he end up in these positions? Now I feel bad that I'm saying this when Tyrone Bings is excellent again.
1: Yeah. <laughs> what is he doing in right centre midfield? What's he also doing at the wrong side of the fucking Crystal Palace <laughs> midfielder as he's galloping through? Like he must have been playing number ten if that's the position he ended up in.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It is Ezra Kanza who does get fined this week though for an unnecessary corner concession. Um, <laughs> Ezra Kanza I thought was good as well uh, until he went off injured, but yeah, didn't need to give away the corner, gave away the corner, doesn't get paid this week.
1: Yeah, so. it all started with fucking Mings and Kanza and you running away from Zaha as they lined up a shot like they were playing fucking dodgeball or something. <laughs> yeah. It gets recycled and the cross comes in and I think, I actually think there's about 15 yards between Mings and Kanza. And just nothing but air in between them, no other players. The reaction was so slow. It was like he didn't know what Klein was going to do at the other side of Minx. Like he he momentarily forgot he was playing football. What what's going on over there? That's Jesus. What the fuck was that? Did you just kick a ball at me.
2: <laughs> what did he try? Did he try to take it down on his knee or like what, did he just defend himself?
1: <laughs> just protecting his goods. Yeah, I don't know. Like it it was so strange. I think. I think he just forgot what he was trying to do, and then panicked, and then did just need it out of play. Which again, like Tyrone mings wandering into the number ten position and having to take down Gallagher because he's fucked up. I think Kanza fucked up, and then just dealt with it by needing it out of play.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, maybe this is the good habits that we saw last year. Then I think we were saying that it was very clear uh, when Villa were second guessing themselves, or there were any sniffing any bit of danger just fucking deal with it get rid of it get like you will worry about it after so maybe we should be all four corners and yellow cards actually what a terrible way to set up <laughs> <laughs> go in position make the wrong decision give away a corner get a yellow card <laughs> and that's your two centre backs oh, uh, first whatsapp winch <laughs> you're not going to like this one <laughs> You can't wear your shirt buttons oh, that low. For fuck's
1: sake. <laughs> <You can't. laughs> Let me finish. <laughs> I don't need you to find. You're not going anywhere with this. So I'm certainly not picking it up.
2: <laughs> Let me finish. You can't wear your shirt buttons that low and wear a cardigan over it. <laughs> Who am I talking about?
1: I haven't a fucking clue. <laughs>
2: Patrick Vieira Patrick Vieira had about three buttons buttoned and you know and that's fine like, if you want to do that great and he's French you he can get away with it but you can't wear a cardigan over the top of that a buttoned up cardigan as well it doesn't make any sense right what are your thoughts <laughs>
1: <laughs> that I don't think you heard me whinging about my hangover at the start of this podcast <laughs> fucking move
2: it on okay more serious whatsapp whinge oh look there's Zaha at it again. <laughs> now, this boy is unbelievable, isn't he? Like, how, how, can, how can you listen to 30 or 40,000 people every other week, every other week, call you a wanker and and, and, and not see the error of your ways somewhere along the way? I mean, like, they, they all think you're a prick. And I'll tell you what i tell you what, Milivojevic wasn't fucking enjoying it either. He was sick of it. He eventually (laughs) went up to Zaha and told him to stop it. Zaha started gesturing to the crowd, sticking his tongue out, and his captain basically gave him a push to say, what are you doing? And then Zaha spent the next 30 seconds giving out to Milivojevic and sort of signaling back to him, pretending to laugh at him. Remember Zaha used to be a good player. (laughs) <laughs> oh, how is he just let this distract him so much now that, like this is all he's doing i can't believe he didn't get sent off the ref actually seemed to be afraid of give that i i would be so quick to give that man a fourth yellow card never mind a second one the ref didn't want any bit of it
1: yeah and that is the thing it, it does distract them as well and i think every time we play palace i forget amazingly i forget how much of a whinging cunt Zaha is. <sighs> and that, that moment, he put his hands to his ears. We know it's bothering you, Wilfred. <laughs> like you're running around whinging like a child. You can't just cup your ears after 70 minutes to pretend it's not hurting you. That's why we're booting you, because you're, it's getting into your head. That's why we're doing it, because it is getting deep. Because you become more and more erratic as the game goes on. Your decisions are becoming worse. You're running down blind alleys. Open your ears isn't going to get you out of this. You need to open your fucking eyes. And what a waste of time as well. Chris Kavanaugh doesn't want to make a decision, Wilfred. Chris Kavanaugh's not going to do anything controversial here. Yeah. He just wants to get fruitless. this. Like he comes across as a type of fellow that would be bullied in a fucking seminary. And to be fair, he is very generous with his fucking forgiveness. I mean, he absolved John McGinn of about seven yellow card offences. But if he's the man you're relying on, Wilfred, you need to reassess your fucking life choices. And the weird thing about Wilfred Zaha is as well, he acts like he thinks he's worth 80 million pounds. Yeah. But whenever he was offered to teams for 80 million pounds, they all went, fuck off. Like, <laughs> even Arsenal said, sorry, there, there must be a bad line here. It sounded like he said 80 million. Did you mean 18? Arsenal spent 72 million on Nicola Pepe. <laughs> And they wouldn't fork out
2: for Wilfred Zaha, who, unbelievably, I'm just checking now, like, the only thing more surprising than him not getting taken off at some stage in that game was that he didn't get one yellow card. The whole time I was there wondering, like, why, like, the ref just isn't disciplining him now because he he doesn't want to send him off, you're right? Like, Kavanaugh didn't want to make any decisions the whole match, didn't want to give a free half the time, so... Like, he was never going to get interested in giving a player a second yellow card for the set, but I didn't even get one. Like for any of those tackles, for any of those dives, for any of those remonstrations, like I would just give me a yellow card for the sight of him, like, jester like, <laughs> j- to the crowd. Like that, like that, that's inciting. That 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 that's dangerous. Like there's another one. You can pick out so many moments, so many opportunities. to put this wee wanker in his place. It would, It's. It's the most. The most bang on chant that Aston Villa fans have created in the last 30 years, and it's so simple wanker, wanker, wanker.
1: wanker. <laughs> be like, how oh, is Chris Cavendish going to book somebody who's walking around with a fucking chalice doing the sign on the cross? Can't get your bookie pot cards out of your pocket. <laughs> uh,
2: next WhatsApp whinge. Don't really know if this is more of a whinge, but uh, well, it is. Based on today, the best ending to the season would be to throw the game against Burnley, do you over Frank Lampard, and rest the team up for a big, massive one final performance against City on Sunday.
1: <laughs> yeah, that 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 is like I think I I think I said this about five games ago. The most important thing for me for this season is that Frank Lampard gets relegated. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and look, it, it, it is, it does remain important for me. The only thing, the most difficult decision I have to make now in the final day of the season is whether well or not I want Arsenal or Everton to win.
2: Yeah, because you can't, you, you wouldn't be able to handle Mikel Arteta getting in the top four.
1: No, see, I've gone, I've gone too deep into the Mikel Arteta as a fraud uh, line, so I can't, I, yeah. <laughs> I can't back down from that now. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's like it,
2: it's very nice. Like you know, it, it is. Some teams don't have anything to play for. <laughs> this Premier League is all in our hands. Like you know, it, our our fate isn't really. Who cares about what what happens to us. Like the top, <laughs> the top, and the bottom of the Premier League is all up to Aston Villa. Like they can fuck over Everton by losing to Burnley, and they could just very easily lose to Burnley anyway based on today's performance. <laughs> um, and. They could fuck over Pep Guardiola. It's, it's like Pep and Frank Lampard are there. Like how much do these boys want it? How much does Gerrard want it? Like Ger- like Ger- like Liverpool man Gerrard, could hand the title to Liverpool and fuck over Everton. Does he want it or not? Rest the boys up.
1: <laughs> fuck over Frank Lampard as well, who we all know is his greatest rival in the competition for best midfielder of all time. <laughs>
2: but I, I obviously I should clarify I am joking because like, I, I don't want to sit there
1: a... <laughs> I am joking I actually do support But <laughs> I, do,
2: I don't want to have to sit through and 90 minutes like that on a Thursday night as well yeah it's bad enough if they watch Burnley twice in a few weeks but um, it's a Villa Park it's the last game actually at Villa Park as well let's sign off with a bit of a bit of pride because I tell you what <laughs>
1: I <was Yeah>. watching... <laughs> sorry go on let's finish above fucking Brentford as well yeah my
2: fucking god that's so true. And make sure we finish above Newcastle. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's too much on the line. Sorry. Like, yeah, let's let's think. Frank's going to be all right. Well, if we can get our acts together. But I was watching that match today, and I shouldn't. Sometimes, like I, I judge how good a time I'm having based on how good a time other people are having. <laughs> I'm sitting there watching that match, thinking, "Jesus, I wonder if uh, Wes Edens and Nasif Saweras are." Are going to be freaking out, like you know what? Have what have we bought? What's the point of this? This is a big pointless, meaningless venture. There they are, Villa Park. Our owners, our beloved owners, and this is what they're in charge of. And you, you sort of dying to intercept to say, "No, oh, it's, it's been way better. I promise. Like it's, it's it's usually great. We're usually playing good stuff. The fans are usually absolutely bouncing." Why the
1: what the fuck would you want to say that for? No, yeah, right enough. <laughs> Let them see how shit it is. Let them <laughs> see how bollocks my life is, because Danny Ings couldn't have a fucking oh, exhaust of a banjo.
2: <laughs> oh, I'm gonna get to Danny Ings alright. Just you wait after this.
1: I, I burst onto the scene, didn't I, and I was gonna be the next best thing.
2: Oh, who, who was it that said? There was an interview somebody recently and they said that he's always positive. It was Mika Richards. Hold on, I played for England at 18, youngest ever defender to play for England. It was Mika Richards, he was talking on Sky Sports and he said he's always positive. Sometimes you wish he wasn't as positive, like he almost, he said he was too nice.
1: Right. What do you think of that? I think Mika Richards should shut the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck has Mika Richards ever done for Aston Villa? (laughs) Dean, Dean Smith got Aston Villa promoted from 14th in the championship? Mika Richards was just there collecting 40 grand a week while that was all happening. <laughs> oh, he's just
2: brilliant. He's just top. What a guy to work with you are, honestly. All right, let's start with uh, Danny Ings. Or sorry, the all the one. <laughs> um do you have another week's wages sentence to hand out here, actually, um, for the commentary team on whatever American stream I was watching. Uh, Matt Cash comes in along the byline, looks up, fucking leathers it, (laughs) cross for a throw-in, and they all say, good ball, good ball, but you know, that classic one, nobody was there. Good ball, but nobody was there. Was it really a good ball?
1: (laughs) You know, I can't believe I'm going to do this two weeks in a row, because I I think I've I've might have been responsible for putting this idea into your head that that's absolute nonsense. I think I infested you, infected you in your youth about how stupid that was. Now it was always better on balance to pass the ball to another teammate instead of kicking it out for a throw-in. But again, like it's, it's lovely football. I assume it's the one that's lovely football from McGinn and Cash and it's yeah. a brilliant ball from McGinn. And like last week though, I think, I think Cash sees the movement into the six-yard box and he puts his head down. And Watkins has to know what's coming, but he pulls up like he's trying to make space for a cutback. It's like there, there's, there's probably too much on the ball anyway. Definitely, yeah. But, but I, I had this. I had to see our center forwards fuck themselves across that space. Like they have to do it. Like take the leap of faith. Ollie. trust that Maddie will catch you. The ball is going to definitely come across that six-yard box, and he should be busting a gut to get in there, particularly because he knows Maddie Cash is going to do that for a start. But also. He's made the run. Cash's head is down. So you can't change your decision now. He's passing it to where he thinks you're going to go based on the last thing he said. Or the last yeah. thing he saw. If I felt
2: like... If I felt like Walker's had any chance of getting that ball, then I would be more looking at him for that. Yeah, yeah. There. But, like, yeah, it was just hit with so much. There's somebody else lingering around the other side of the box, but like, they were even less of a chance to get in there. Um, yeah, okay, maybe a bit of both. But it just it just wasn't hit well. Maybe maybe the commentary team don't deserve to be fined. I, I don't know. What do you think?
1: oh like I'm sure we can take of money off them anytime we want. Every week they'll say something stupid. Don't worry. We'll get we'll get them back.
2: <laughs> um, the first Rossendale nomination. I think I've got three Danny Ings ones in a row here. So the first one starts off nice and simple. Douglas Louise cross Ings gets out in front of his marker just to clear the danger. Just pokes it out of play. <laughs> um. Any defender would be proud of how coolly he just puts the spirit <laughs> in there, just lets it just lets it go out. You you no need to do anything special, like just get it away from the danger area.
1: Yeah, th- that one was actually it's started off brilliantly from McIn just sheer ignorance to burst past four uh, Crystal Palace players, and it's an absolutely delicious ball in from Dougie. Lovely little whip into the space, and it's a great run from Ings. But I'm starting to wonder if he actually does make great runs, if he actually does have great movements and instincts, because his instincts should be telling him at this stage to stop getting free and forcing his teammates to give him the ball so that he can give the opposition a goal kick. <laughs> he needs to take that out of their hands. He's got too much power here.
2: <laughs> we, we could probably split this award up into the Ing chances and then everybody else. So, <laughs> so we'll go through his for Because he usually wins anyway. Like somebody has suggested... and. Yeah, feel free to give us a shout on Twitter, uh the Villa Podcast, or on Gmail, the at gmail.com, just for end of season awards. Somebody suggested doing a Rossenthal end of season award, but like we know Wings has won this most weeks. <laughs> so he's definitely like I, I just assume but the laws of averages he's, he's gonna win uh it win the overall one. But his second chance was the volley, so it all starts off with Douglas Ruiz, Bouncing a ball back to Nakamba, putting him under a bit of pressure in the centre circle. And Nakamba, she was great footwork, tidies it up, gets away from his man and spreads the play out to McGinn on the left. We talked about McGinn and Douglas Luiz being on the left and right. McGinn on his left foot, Douglas Luiz on his right foot last week. And here we were, John McGinn on the left, left foot, unbelievable ball into Ollie Watkins. Great run from Watkins like we see good bit of defending just to get in in front of him and it just sets up lovely for Danny Ings to volley it and he should do better really
1: yeah an absolutely delicious ball from John McGinn again gone to waste and the analyst watching it back as that was sitting up in the volley there's only one place I'm expecting that to end up yeah me too mate (laughs) the fucking north stand smashed into the top corner of the fucking stadium what are you talking about how many times have we seen Ings smash that into the net not often (laughs) (laughs)
2: yeah it was 13 yards out like he really should have been doing better it wasn't sitting at a height he had time just dropping on his preferred foot 13 yards out just just put your foot through it don't even need to put it through with any special bit of venom just put your foot through it and score (laughs) yeah uh his last nomination (laughs) is the uh, one where okay, he just tries to put it in the top right corner and hits it wide. Like he should score as well. Like it's a great tackle from again on the left. Um, yeah, it's 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 a it's a right foot of three ball, lovely three ball from him to Ollie Watkins. Ollie Watkins holds the defender up. sticky, like, you know, come on, Danny, let's go. Come on, let's go. It's like that video of Wayne Rooney showing his son where the net is, trying to get him to roll the ball in <laughs> from, from one yard out. He's like, come on, Danny, let's go. I, Rolls it out for his right foot. Danny Ings tries to whip it into the top right corner, and just he doesn't whip it; he just hits it, and it goes wide.
1: Yeah, again, brilliant ball from again into Watkins, who holds it up like Ollie Watkins, <laughs> and gives it to Ings, who shoots like Danny Ings. Yeah. At this stage, he turns around with his hands out in disbelief. How can you not believe, Danny? <laughs> like, a, a look on his face of as if to say, "What else can I do? Score? <laughs> Fucking hit the ball properly into the net." Uh...
2: Yeah. Um, so, what do you like? Did the, the volley on that one or hard to like hard to split? Really? Like, I I could go with either.
1: Let's give him two. Let's give him two this week. Yeah.
2: Yeah. The other nominations. Um, Ollie Watkins had a header from a corner. That was blocked. It took somebody out, actually. It's just a vicious header. Uh, and then it comes out to Coutinho on the rebound. And Ollie Watkins is on the ground. And he tries to poke it in. It might have been offside, but he missed the ball as he was on the ground trying to hit it.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was, I think it was beginning to hit the volley, was it? And, oh, no, sorry. I know. Yeah, yeah, that's a different one. Yeah, no. He was definitely offside. The the corner was amazing. There was so much venom on it. And it's a really good connection on the header from Watkins. And it's just really frustrating that anderson blocks the ball just because he exists because he was born 25 years ago like he played no part in blocking that it was a complete accident of birth that he denied the goal (laughs) he was was picked by patrick Vieira, and 80 minutes later the ball hit him on the face
2: (laughs) gorgeous corner from douglas a great header from Watkins. just uh, somebody happened to be in the way mcginn you mentioned it to his volley Oh Bourdier is coming in his own at this stage just lovely interplay with Lucadinha. Um, uh, Lucadinha like, like, Lucadinha tries a, a long-range shot Bourdier tidies it up again lovely interplay Lucadinha tries a cross and it gets deflected out and John McGinn has the volley
1: yeah it was, it was a gorgeous little bit of play and that was when Villa actually started to play it came a bit late to the party but they uh, they were starting to stitch a few things together and yeah look it was a good effort
2: Emi Bundia then plays Watkins through, who's a mile on side. Good first touch, really good first touch. It's a very tight angle. like It would have been a... Sc- I'm not expecting him to score from where he's at. I'm expecting him to do a lot better of a shot, through.
1: Yeah, I think it's, all, it's almost the perfect pass. It's maybe missing a little bit of zip, so Watkins has to drag it with him. And yeah. at that stage, because he's dragged it, he's dragged it so wide, he probably should just spank it. He definitely shouldn't just ankle it out for a goal kick. <laughs> Get your laces on that all <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah well anyway the, the winner is Danny Ings by two uh, <laughs> the Peter Enkelman what the fuck award <sighs> where, where, where to start a couple of those passes Matt Cash to and
1: yeah I, mean, look, I watch a lot of football and this is a problem that's peculiar to Villa like no other team consistently plays three balls to the opposition it's absolutely ridiculous and I'm sure I know what the next nomination is <laughs> Nakamba <laughs> three-ball to the opposition. Like, unbelievable. Like, I suppose if we're going to pass to the opposition, we might as well wrap it into their centre-forward's feet. I mean, he's Fucking taking it to throw a different it. level this time. was unbelievable. Like, marvelous doesn't do things in half measures. It's such a bad decision to play the ball back anyway in general. Like, what are we doing? Let's go. Let's get moving. And maybe... Maybe this one moment will teach them a lesson. Maybe now they'll realise that passing the ball backwards is a really bad idea, a really bad way to try to score a goal, particularly if we're going to pass it to the fucking opposition. (laughs) Fair. Chambers does brilliantly to hold up Zaha. I mean, Zaha tried to sell him a few dummies. He was going on so fucking long, he was trying to sell him insurance and OxyContin and fucking glow sticks and elastic twirly helicopters with flashing lights on them, but I like Think Emmy actually got stung for a pair, yeah. of, a pair of knockoff Ray Bans. To be fair, <laughs> Chambers crazy. wasn't buying anything. He's 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 been in he's been in, he's been in Piazza San Marco before. Connor, no grazie. He just took the ball instead. <laughs>
2: yeah, Martinez wasn't shopping, but when he saw a bargain, he had the money. <laughs> and he sat down like very quickly. And yeah, thankfully, it was Zaha on the ball who wanted to keep selling. But like, if he had not <laughs> yeah. looked up, he would have seen an empty net.
1: Yeah, sometimes you just take the profits and you cash out. So.
2: <laughs> the winner, though, this week of the Peter Enkelman What The Fuck Award goes to an Instagram message and the winner goes to Matt Target <laughs> because this is a what the fuck of all what the fucks. Jack Grealish has just helped Man City fight back and draw 2-2 with West Ham, although it doesn't actually... Affect anything because Liverpool have fallen so far behind now in the goal difference over the last few games mm. they still needed two results anyway from Man City so the draws is just as good as a loss for them um Grealish puts out a post in it's all in our hands can't wait for the game next weekend good for Grealish by the way not to have to say well done boys where if he goes through most of his Instagram posts this year it's just him congratulating the team on playing well but uh, this time he actually got to play and then Matt Target comes in with reply to Greedy saying it's all in our hands. Can't wait for the game next weekend. Target with a love heart eyes emoji and an applause applause emoji. Hasn't gone down well. He got a snake emoji. He got a rat emoji. He got uh, somebody saying to him, "Stop dick riding." He got he <laughs> got somebody saying, "If you have nothing to say, keep quiet. Shut up, Matt. You melt. You're, you're being loaned to Norwich, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Be quiet." <laughs> so yeah, just, just stay out of it, Matt. You know you're he's playing your club next week. Shut up.
1: Yeah, I, I think I think you've made two mistakes there, really. I think you're you're saying that City would all, or Liverpool always needed City to, to cock up twice. I mean you're assuming that Villa aren't gonna batter them five nil at Villa Park, allowing allowing Liverpool to just, you know, win two or three 0 <laughs> And you're also the second mistake you've made is also following Matt Target on Instagram.
2: Yeah, well, obviously I don't follow him. It was Jack. I <laughs> so still haven't been able to unfollow. Uh, maybe I will if we stop him winning the the title this year. Um, that's not what I'm in it for. I just want Villa to beat Man City and get a fucking big result against a top eight team. <laughs> shouldn't have to keep qualifying That's my fault. Uh, winner of the what the fuck? Yes, yeah, my target. So you like them? We didn't take a 90th minute penalty award. Maybe another opportunity to find the commentators who said and I quote we thought maybe Stephen Gerrard would change things at the start of the second half <laughs> <laughs> well you only have yourself to blame
1: <laughs> yeah it, it, it is it's always baffling how little understanding of football the commentator stuff but it's even more baffling how little understanding Stephen Gerrard seemed to have of that game of football that was currently developing in front of his eyes and which he had a fair bit of control of. It's like he froze. I mean, we had no control of a game at home against a direct competitor. I mean, the only thing good about the performance in the first half was five or six passes from McGinn. Unfortunately, they ended up falling at Danny Ings' feet eventually. And there are two things that make that even worse is that we have, we have really good ball players on the bench. And I know he knows that because he eventually brought them on. But also... There were players begging to come off. Nakamba was done after about twenty minutes. Louise, Nakamba, and McGinn were all part of a midfield that had no control of a game at home against a direct competitor. <laughs> Ings was blowing hard after about an hour, mostly because he had to make so many pointless runs to shout passes over the top or to track back after a shout pass. And it made sense to make a change to the system anyway. And then we don't have a direct replacement for him, but that's fine because the diamond wasn't working. I mean, Cash and Dini were nowhere near that game for 70, 75 minutes, which is yeah. an absolute disaster when you're set up in a diamond formation. And you'd be watching that game thinking they were wrecked, but they were they were the most involved in the last 15 minutes. <laughs> we just spent 75 minutes persisting with a system that didn't get the best out of two of our biggest threats, that didn't didn't get anything out of them, never mind their best. It was, it was, it was insane. It was almost criminal that he just allowed... The game to develop for
2: so long like that, and a byproduct of it was Coutinho dropping so deep then as well. Like that, that was frustrating. Like it was nice to see him control the game and like he does it so easily. And he is it's it's fun to watch how he just passes and moves. He's got so much energy when he's moving the game for the for the next ball. But we're just, we just we don't we don't want them there. But like he needed to be there because Palace had just clogged that that central channel and Villa weren't for changing anything.
1: They weren't, but and the changes he made as well. Like, think about the two players that you can unleash here. Stephen, like maybe maybe he's listening to the physios too much. <laughs> maybe maybe he should just say fuck the red zone. I need Jacob Ramsey and Mendy on this pitch, and it's Jacob Ramsey and we You're two of your best players. Not only that, they're two absolute fan favourites. Every time Jacob Ramsey got the ball, people sat up. Yeah. All he did a couple of times was just run forward the ball at his feet, but on a note, didn't do anything spectacular. He just carried the ball deeper into yeah. the Palace half and the crowd got on their feet. One yeah. of them ended up, he beautifully rolled a two-yard pass to Dina to whip in the cross <laughs> for the goal. But it was just <laughs> the energy of the stadium changed, not only when Ramsey came on, but every time he got on the ball. And it was just amazing yeah. that he just didn't pull that trigger quickly. He didn't just reach for two of his best players who were sitting on the bench.
2: But that's it. Like, he, he had a bit of intent. Just he had, like he drew a tackle. Like, even if it was just a simple tackle, somebody just somebody coming out a few more meters to him. It was, yeah, it was giving Palace on to think about. It was giving us on to be excited about. It was making the other players get back up on their fucking toes because, yeah, there was a stage where. <laughs> It seemed like a bit pointless. It was, like I say, it was nice watching Coutinho, but it seemed pointless for stages. It was like, well, what is the point to pass it to him? Because again, we're not going anywhere, really. Why does everybody keep giving it back to him? And then you see Konza trying to play a similar pass to what Coutinho was doing and just fucks it up. It was like, oh, just keep giving it back to Coutinho then. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not helping the overall idea of trying to score, Palace We're delighted to see that. And you're so right to mention the the red zone thing as well. And that, look, look, I'm not... I'm not I'm not against science, Liam. You know that. I like put that, put, put that on a teacher. But you know, there is a bit more to football as well. Like yeah, we don't want players getting injured, and yeah, you obviously want players closer to their optimal condition to play and stuff like that. But it's not all about doing hundred meter runs up the pitch. It's not all about sprinting back. And you know, there's other little things that maybe maybe the numbers can't give you, like a drop of the shoulder, like a right decision, like a cool head. You know, a right pass, but a technical skill, like the these are things I'm not trying to sound like a, a science basher or a data winder or like Mourinho who hates his physios and stuff like that, but they're, they're definitely something that needs to be brought into the conversation. Too. And like that includes when people are looking at the data on the sideline, when they're talking about taking players off, it's like, but, but can I do something even in the condition he's in, can I do something mm. more than somebody's at a hundred percent? Like do take into account the game as well. That's my only advice to these people.
1: Yeah, exactly. You're absolutely bang on. Yeah fair enough, he doesn't look like he can play for 20 minutes, but he doesn't have to play that way, he doesn't have to play yeah. the way you're imagining he's going to play in those 20 minutes, we can just get him on, say if it was Buendia, like Buendia just don't, don't track back we're trying to win the game here so you stay up, you know, you can get them to do different things, things that aren't things that will get 20 minutes out of them you can try and get them to adapt their play so they can stay on the pitch for longer because they're brilliant on the ball or because the players you have on the pitch are doing fuck all or because they're actually cast as well
2: yeah. Um and, and even like the, the Luca Dinha thing i m- maybe there was a bit more conversation at halftime about getting those boys into it, but it didn't seem like it. Like we didn't come out. Like that was the obvious thing where we're like we're missing width for like these boys aren't in the game. And it didn't we didn't come out with any response that I came out and Palace were on top again until Ramsey carried that ball, rolled it to Luca Dinha, who crossed a lovely ball in. And that was it really, like that, that, that was the opening up then for Villa and they played well for 12 minutes and and drew the match.
1: You know? But yeah, it just didn't address
2: anything really, which was a bit of a concern.
1: But yeah, and Dini came into the game more whenever Ramsey came on because he know he had a platform to get forward. He, yeah. he, he had someone to go with, he was joining in with Ramsey. And Matty Cash started playing better in the last 15 minutes after Bundia came on because Bundia was primarily playing on the right-hand side and Cash could join in with them. It was it was so simple to get them into the game, get the ball over to their side of the pitch and get it up high so that they can then join in and do something spectacular. And both of them did a lot of spectacular things whenever we started playing decently.
2: Yeah. Well, Tim Sherwood, we played two number 10s and bamboozled them award. Philip Coutinho and Amy Wendia on the pitch at the same time. <laughs> we did enough crying about it not happening and we finally got it. And... Uh... Yeah, I suppose a big shout-out to Coutinho as well for playing 90 minutes. Got them in the bag and uh, great to see.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was. And there was a moment where both of them had volleyed attempts as well. There was one from, Conti- from Coutinho, actually. He probably should be in the Rossenthal nominations. where it would have been an incredible goal. He takes a touch and it's nearly good and the shot is nearly good. But his footing is absolutely fucking dreadful. You know, people... People call him a little dancer, but leave the leave the ballroom shoes at home next week and bring a pair of fucking football boots. It was a bit of slipping from Felipe that didn't help him, but it's absolutely brilliant to see him on the pitch because sometimes that will, that will be needed. Play, like, playing a diamond has worked really well for us, but some games it's just not working and then you can fucking change it and you can especially change it whenever your second best attacking player is sitting on the bench. Get them on.
2: Yeah, and especially when the other team are set up only to stop you playing really like and Palace because of that played well then like but their the sole purpose their primary focus of that match was stopping Villa's diamond work <laughs> so when that happens yeah you might have to adapt and show a bit of flexibility and when you've got like the bench was ridiculous uh, to, like you're still missing a striker obviously on the bench but you had Big Bertie T you had Chuck Wemmicka you had Tim none of these boys came on um for the Morgan Sanson fans, he was there so for everybody. I see him a bit of experience. <laughs> Callum Chambers was needed. We got an injury centre back, Bundy and Ramsey. Like that's a that's a strong bench with a lot of options, a lot of ways of change. Like Ramsey and Wendy have been two of our best players this season, and we we're able to spring both of them off the bench.
1: Yeah, yeah. And look, we had we brought Callum Chambers on at centre half. You know, we know he can play midfield or number ten as well. So <laughs> yeah. a lot of flexibility on the bench as well, <laughs>
2: The Weimann meter going up, I have Kanza because he was going down so low. Um, so, yeah, it's all relative when you're down that low. It's easier to get up. Uh, he, he had a good block for a Gallagher header. By the way, there we go. You know, Obviously, we get a lot of stick for our pronunciation or my pronunciation of Norwich. Norwich. But, <laughs> uh... <laughs> you were getting a bit of stick. You probably didn't see this uh, for your pronunciation of Matip. You said Matip. And, uh... I hear a lot of commentators and English people say Gallagher I'll have to tell you it's Gallagher I'm happy to correct people <laughs> um and I you know I'll put up with, with their mispronunciations as well but uh yeah Ezra Kaza had a good block on a Gallagher header um, <laughs> <laughs> with his head lovely interception as well from a from a good cross he just got a got in the front and touched it away um like touched it back to emmy martinez like just really cool really good first touch for an interception as well yeah it was it was better apart from one bad pass really and one unnecessary corner that he gave away
1: yeah the the header that he blocked from gallagher was was brilliant as well and it's really it looks like it's hitting him but he's really intentionally flicked his neck back to get it up and over the bar it was it was a brilliant piece of play and yeah I, i think you're right i think he's going up only because he had fallen down so far and that was a steady in performance (laughs) the the knee injury looked unbelievably painful but hopefully it was just one of those ones that is causes a lot of pain initially but yeah yeah
2: um going up matt cash he's just he's fucking brilliant does not he like it's no surprise that he won supporters players a year he's uh he just made mince meat of Zaha, like he just, he, he loved that. I and mean, every time Zaha had tried to get anywhere near the box, he just destroyed him. Really came into it in the second half. Then like yeah, he's a
1: great player. Yeah, and it's funny the commentator and agreed with the, and the co-commentator agreed with her. Said that all oh, that'll be a great watch. Now this this be a great matchup. You're even thinking about it beforehand. Like what's going to be a good matchup? And I was thinking, Maddie Cash and. And Wilfried Zaha and I was just thinking, you lads are fucking idiots. Like this is not going to be a good matchup. Like the the Matty Cash is going to absolutely destroy him, especially because John McEwan apparently is going to be going out of his way to piss Zaha off all game. But there's no way in the world that Zaha was going to get the better of Matt Cash. Yeah, and like going up probably the most
2: uh this week, yeah, John, John McEwan, like he was sensational i thought he, like his passing was brilliant his decision making his neat tight touches like a long range passing neat tight touches uh great footwork he put a couple people on their urges and skipped by them and he did all this yeah by or whilst also ruining Zaha's life as well, apparently. Like, you know, Zaha completely got distracted by all this stuff. John McGinn was just doing it on the side. Like, where where once he was trying to sell urges on the side, he was just trying to, I don't know, sell Zaha's soul. Like, he was just, he was in that boy's head, and he was, he was hammering him big tackles. Uh, he seemed to, but he seemed to never look at him the whole match. You know, yeah. Zaha was spending the whole time like trying to shout at him, trying to remonstrate with the referee, pointing at him again, just never once he just put his eyes on him, he just completely destroyed him, cleaned him, he took balls off him, he took balls past him, he took his legs from underneath him, and he just never even gave him respect to even look at him and pretend like he existed.
1: Yeah, <laughs> maybe not, maybe that maybe was maybe he needed to do that as well because if I was looking at him and listening to him wins like that, it would have been hard for me to stay on the pitch. I'd say, uh, but John McGinn also brilliantly played the referee. He got the measure of him so early on and realised that I can do whatever the fuck I want here. Turns out. <laughs> And he did. He did it consistently throughout the game. And he turned around, either looking annoyed at the referee and played it well. Like he genuinely thought, there was one of these absolutely, I don't even know if it was, I think it was clean. He was just absolutely clean. It was a terrible tackle. He was about a second late. And he sort of pointed at the ball and he was so pissed off saying, <laughs> I got the ball. But I was convinced. And then it, and then it shows you back. He's not even going in the right direction to win the ball. Yeah. So he just <laughs> took his ankles out. It incredible.
2: Yeah, uh, he was brilliant. Um... Going up, Ollie Watkins, his movements brilliant. He's a uh, I called him a good egg <laughs> last week. Uh, he's just a great player. Do you have anybody else you want to go up particularly?
1: I've nearly put Ings up as well because I I felt so sorry for him. Like like I said, Villa were dreadful in the first half, and Ollie Watkins and Ings. If you're putting up Ings or Watkins, you might as well put up Ings as well, just for effort, just in the spirit of the Vyman meter, because yeah. a tough old fucking slog for seventy minutes of that game. Having to put off, put off those shit bags that were playing behind them. Oh. Uh, like John McGinn definitely played well. His passing was brilliant and his energy was good. But he was also part of a three-man midfield that didn't have control of the game against one of their nearest rivals at home. Like that's that's also not good. I mean, I don't think John McGinn's decision making was. He his decision making was never geared towards getting better control of the game. He was always trying to make stuff happen, which isn't necessarily bad, obviously. Whenever it works, and it worked a lot today, but we also needed we needed to settle the game down a lot in that first half, and we just didn't. Yeah. Yeah,
2: like that's he threw Andy Vyman back in my face. Like I was going to have Danny he's going down.
1: Um just
2: nothing stuck to him and he kept slipping and stuff. But like, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe no,
1: no, no, sorry, no, sorry. Like I, I regret saying that his effort was great, but he's also a centre forward. who missed three absolute sitters. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, going down like our tendency for backward passes when things aren't going well like that—that that was
1: fairly annoying to be honest. Um, yeah, the, yeah. It, it, it's not just the backward pass, and it was—it was the refusing to play the slightly more interesting, slightly and only slightly riskier <sighs> ball inside. Like whenever a player had the ball on the wing. And it wasn't just the guy on the ball who was at fault. The player receiving at midfield always stepped back to their left to take it handier instead of just stepping inside the defender who's committed and taking it in there because there would be a nuller tackle coming in quicker. That's all right. Move the ball on so that whenever the tackle comes in, the ball's not there anymore. Yeah. It's grand. But they never did it. They never moved into the space, and the ball was never presented into the space. A lot of Glenn Whelan esque performances in the first half.
2: Yeah, and like, do you know like that's why it's so annoying because <laughs> that spell that we had then that was good. <laughs> you take a lot of pride. Like, it only takes ten minutes of a good glimpse to really like you know just win you over for this Villa team, and and you start looking at it. Then and you see you look at Dean and you see Matt Cash and you see Jacob Ramsey and McGinn and his pump and Watkins run around it like Buendia and Coutinho. It's like this is a good team. This is a really good team. And like, why does that not always happen? Why do we not always see that? Why are they passing it back? It's, I, I, I don't
1: get it. Like, what's going on? If like, why would you pass the ball to Teron Mings when you can pass it to Felipe Coutinho? Yeah. Like, like, it doesn't make any sense. Are we excited so about signing this lad or not? Fucking give him the ball, but Coutinho as well. You're right, dropping in to control this, to control the game. And watching him do it is nice, but we don't want it to happen. But he needs to stop doing it as well. It's not just that the game has developed this way and he's doing it. Don't do it. He's allowing the game to develop this way by drifting in. Like we said before, Philippe Coutinho picking the ball up 40 yards from his own goal is pointless because he's not 40 yards from the opposition goal to pass it to him anymore. He's the player you want to be getting that ball from the person who's picked it up.
2: Going down for the last time on the Weimann metre. (laughs) <laughs> probably probably a year after he should have last gone down. Jack Grealish. <laughs> I'm sorry. I should have talked about this when I first talked about him. And I'm sorry to keep still talking about Jack Grealish. 36 games into another season. Uh, but did you see his comments after the match? He said, uh, something I've never experienced before to win a trophy on the last day of the season. Oh. Yeah. That's not nice,
1: is it? Especially <laughs> for somebody who said that was the best day of his life. Like, what? What do you think of that? <laughs> Jack Grealish couldn't remember what shoe he was wearing immediately after he put on one shoe. So, you know, we know this guy's a fucking moron. How could we expect him to remember two years ago?
2: Yeah, and that is the thing with Grealish. Like, um, we can give him a lot of stick. You can be hurt by him. Like, I obviously am, but uh, his biggest crime in any of these interviews or any of these situations is just stupid. Like, you know, he just... Realize- <laughs> does not realise what he's saying half the time. Like he, he doesn't he hasn't thought through about the different angles or who's going to be upset about someone. Maybe he should. Maybe he's got a responsibility to for sensitive people like me. But uh, yeah, I'd say i say if I put that to him, it, it it would be he would be affronted. I would say. <laughs> anyway, questions we can't answer, but probably will. Do you think uh, you've seen enough today? That. Warrants Patrick Vieira to win manager of the season. <laughs> not not the worst name, I'd say, actually, on the candidates for, well, maybe he is for manager of the season. Thomas Frank. <sighs> <sighs> He's done really well. Manager of the season? I don't know. I don't know. Pep Guardiola. Eddie Howe. He <laughs> um, <laughs> it gets, it gets a, the biggest transfer budget. In the world in January, Jurgen Klopp and Patrick Vieira. Patrick Vieira, like, I think that's the strangest one. Like, oh, Jesus, he's done, he's done right. There's nothing bad, there's nothing good. What? not that he's has nothing good, he's manager of the season.
1: Yeah, I think it's a bit mad. Yeah, I mean, why not give it to Graham Potter as well, or, so, or Stephen Gerrard? Because they're Definitely, all in. Like, Potter's what... ahead of them. Yeah, they're all in that same bracket though, as well. They're all within five points of each other, and they're all going to swap around in the last day of the season. We don't know where any of them are going to finish yet. Yeah. They're in that bracket kind on of, that famous ninth to fourteen, <laughs> it's fucking that's, bracket. That's where those teams are, and, and we're like, spending next season talking about
2: ninth.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it, it. It is. It's absolutely mental. Obviously, I mean, they're only eight points above Frank Lampard's Everton. Like, you know, none of these managers have pulled hold up fucking trees Jeez. here. Like, it's insane. Like, you can look at their finishing position and think, yeah, that's good, but you have to put a bit of context around it. They're only eight or nine points above Frank Lampard's Everton, so that's nothing to be proud of. And much like Sheffield United, Brentford would be one of the favourites to get really next year, I would expect. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, that's true. Last one. Can you really believe that anybody would boo the song Abide With Me? (laughs) A song that I'd never heard of until I saw people complaining about Liverpool supporters booing it before the FA Cup final. A song that I didn't know was tradition for the FA Cup final. (laughs) Um, For whatever reason. And for whatever reason, people are really upset that Liverpool fans booed it. They also booed the National Anthem and they booed uh, Prince William. (laughs) But Who gives a fuck?
1: Yeah, that's a good it's a good question. But, you know, may, maybe some people don't think that God, the crown, or the government have served them particularly well. And the weird thing is, that's the interesting part, not the boon. Investigate that bit. Why do people think that? That's where the story is. Imagine if we were to talk about the goals today and only said the ball crossed the line. What happened before? How did the ball fucking end up there? You're a fucking journalist. That's the bit you should be interested in. But of course, complaining that someone is complaining would be standard fare for someone who doesn't want anyone to question what might be the root cause. Let's just tell them they're wrong to be annoyed. Why the fuck is it bad with me being someone who died? (laughs) Maybe they were just booing the DJ. Maybe they were booing (laughs) Prince William because he's a Villa fan, because (laughs) they were annoyed about the the rough treatment we were dishing out last week. Maybe they were booing the National Anthem because they think Gareth Southgate is a twat. I don't know, Colin. But somebody should be investigating this. They shouldn't be just saying they're booing. They're wankers. Yeah, honestly,
2: the, the biggest story here is people caring about it. Like, it's like, like it's so strange, Like it's so Yeah, like, you often... Yeah, and, and I don't get why people would boo... People have different reasons for all sorts of things. But remember, like, during... There was international tournaments. We well, get it now in the World Cup. You can't believe England fans are booing this national anthem. We can't believe whoever fans are booing that national anthem. The first question should always be: Who cares? <laughs> like, why does this matter? Um, and then when it comes down to abide with me, never mind the national anthem. It's a yeah. It's a it's a weird. I wouldn't say it's even a hill you're dying on, but a hill to be bored to death on. <laughs>
1: But like it's it's essentially a really peaceful form of protest. Let's find out what they're protesting against and then figure it out. But well, we know what they're protesting against. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like why would anybody be annoyed at that? Like, you know, it's like, oh, my God, the, dis- the disrespect to who? To God? What are you talking about? To some shit hymn writer from 200 years ago? He's dead. It doesn't matter. Yeah.
2: Oh, anyway, that was uh, that was enjoyable. Thanks for that. Um, we're back on Thursday night, Burnley, and then Sunday, the big one against Man City. Well, it would be really cool at the end of the season, really cool <laughs> the end of the season with a couple of results, but really have such a, it is nice going into a game with something they play for, as long as, yeah, as long as Liverpool balls it up on Tuesday night. actually.
1: <laughs> um, at least we'll know by then.
2: Yeah, yeah, um, so... Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll chat to you on Thursday, I suppose. Thanks a million again for listening. And uh, yeah, please share the podcast on and uh, get in touch if you want. All the best. See you later.
0: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with quins.